0: Hey, Snohomish County, we are back with the podcast and I got to admit, I'm a little bit excited about today. Um, We're talking about something fairly unique as far as it's involved with uh, public safety and that is helicopters. Uh, Our flight program, what we do, what we don't do in public safety, do we have helicopters at Snohomish County? By the end of this podcast, you will have all of those questions answered and then some and here today to help me with that is our chief pilot, Bill Quistor. Thank you for being here, Bill. We well, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah so um, everything helicopters. Yeah. Um, I love this topic. Um, I came into office two and a half years ago. Um, one of the first things we did was sit down with you on a briefing, right. and you gave me a lot of information and said, this is where our helicopter program is at. Right. It's up to you kind of where we want to take it, but you run all that stuff. I mean, that's not my world, that's your world. And so, I think it's a unique story, your story a little bit. It's, your position is very unique, it's mm-hmm. unique to law enforcement, and you are our only chief pilot right. at Snohomish County Sheriff's Office, and so that's unique in itself. Um, but let's talk about you a little bit, um, introduce yourself to the community, and then kind of talk mm-hmm. about uh, maybe where you came from, and yeah. how did you find Snohomish
1: County? Sure, it's a long story, I'll try to keep it that's short. So i grew up in wisconsin on lake michigan small town called manitowoc uh, engineering manufacturing town and me and my buddy were in high school my best friend and uh, we knew we didn't want to work in the factory the rest of our lives we 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 talked to each other we said how do we get a job where we're not in the factory and we said well we have to go to college how do we go to college well we can go in the military and get the gi bill and do that so we said okay well, let's go down we signed up this was during the Vietnam War, the draft was on. I had a low draft number, I was gonna be drafted. So when you enlist, uh, you got to pick your specialty. And I went down, I picked helicopter maintenance and my buddy picked medic. Uh, He became a a professor in USC after we got our GI Bill, went to college. I went back in the army as a lieutenant and I went to flight school. So, um, you know, initially I enlisted as a helicopter mechanic, I was a crew chief door gunner. And then uh, after college and ROTC, I came in as a lieutenant and went through flight school. And that's where I started. So I started flying Hueys, came back, was an instructor pilot in Hueys, flew those for a while. Uh, got a transition to Chinook helicopters, a big double rotor cargo oh, yeah. helicopters. Yeah. And that's how I ended up in Everett, Washington, because we were in Germany. It was near my last assignment with my wife over in Germany and I got orders for uh, Everett, Washington. I didn't even know where Everett, Washington was. (laughs) I had to pull out a map and go, oh, it's north of Seattle. Uh, Okay, so we're going to Everett, Washington. And I was part of a resident training detachment, which was part of uh, Sixth Army, and my headquarters was at Fort Lewis at the time. That makes sense, yeah. So I reported into Fort Lewis and the colonel said, okay, you're gonna be in charge of the training detachment up in Everett. Well it was a Chinook battalion. There was a Chinook Battalion at Payne Field, the reserve army reserve unit. Uh, I worked with them, great bunch of people. I am still in contact with a bunch of them. You know, they're locals here, and but they were ready to move to uh, Fort Lewis in nineteen ninety three, and that's about when I retired. So I retired, they moved to Fort Lewis. And my wife had a business going downtown Everett oh, yeah. uh, for many years. And so we just stayed here. We loved the area and we stayed here. Wow. OK, I didn't know that. that's That's
0: good. That's cool. Um, I got a kind of a follow up question, though. And I, I warned you ahead of time. I might go off on a little bit right. of a tangent. But uh, so you're a young man. You're talking with your buddy back in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. right? right? About what to do. What are we going to do, right? And I want to know your take on a young man in that situation, young woman in that situation. Mm-hmm. What did the it was the army that right, you joined? Right, army. What did it do for you? I mean it, you retired from there eventually right. after becoming an officer, so there's a lot that happens within that time. Right. But what do you think as far as being a young man or woman and taking that route early on in your life? What did it do for
1: you? Well, it really changed my life. I think it changed many lives because as a commander I could see new soldiers coming in the unit who were you know, new to, to the military. And what does it does is give you that discipline. So if you grow up and you're undisciplined, and you know, I had an attitude when I came in. I was I, not, yeah. you know, the, the, the great straight A student. I skipped out, matter of fact, I skipped out so much in high school one year that the principal said, if you skip one more day, you're gonna repeat the year. Oh, wow. So I made sure I made every day of school. But uh, I came in and It really, it forces you to to work with others and cooperate and then you learn eventually how to manage things and supervise things. So it gives you those opportunities. And the cool thing that I found on what you just said is
0: when it forces you to cooperate and work with others, work with others from all backgrounds right. all races everything you can think of it's like from boot camp on really yes, yes. it doesn't matter where you go after that but it starts day one of boot right. camp you are forced to work and
1: get along with people and right. there's a lot of learning that goes there is. on with that there is. so yeah. you learn about people the main thing you learn about people and how how to make things work uh from people from different backgrounds like yes. you said all about people right. no it's great it's great i advise and it's not for everybody you know yeah. not everybody needs to go in there but uh, somebody who's uh has no direction, doesn't know what to do. You will get a direction and a career if you if you get yeah,
0: absolutely. Very good. All right, but uh, we're here to talk about helicopters, yeah. so we probably should start on that at some point. Um, so, so you end up in Snohomish County. Um, how did you come to the
1: Snohomish County Sheriff's Office? Uh, it's that's an unusual story okay. because um, my wife had the clothing business. One of her customers walked in that she knew for many years. And she had a flight suit on, and my wife said, I didn't know you were a pilot. And she said, I'm not a pilot, I'm a crew chief. And my wife said, "Um, really, a crew chief on what? She said, helicopters. And she she said, well, my my husband's a helicopter pilot. And she said, well, we need helicopter pilots in Snohomish County at Search and Rescue. So she came to me and told me that, and I went out to the Search and Rescue and talked to Danny Wickstrom at the time. Oh, yeah. That's our sergeant and i said hey i've got uh, you know a commercial license what can i do and so i got introduced and that's that's how i got started i started as a volunteer pilot for the first year or so uh, flying so that's my start in it. i didn't know that's how you got your start right <laughs> just by someone coming into your wife's business and mentioning it and as a matter of fact i met danny wickstrom before i came in because uh, he had he was in the swat unit or the sergeant of the swat unit and they did some training in our business. So I, had, I opened our business up to this. Oh, yeah. Back then, before I knew them. So from that chance encounter, how,
0: how long have you been here at the sheriff's office? 22 years. Wow. Yeah. Just from that one day. Right. That's cool. All right. And so uh, people going to want to know. They're going to want to know, um, you know, police, public safety, mm-hmm. helicopters. Because I, I think we see some of the bigger agencies across the country that have pretty elaborate programs and things like that. Um, but I want to let them know I'm really proud of what you guys do, by the way, both as a pilot um, and as the volunteers at search and rescue. Um, I've tried to make that much more public in this administration. And uh, uh, I just I, I've learned a lot from you guys about the work that you do. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we have right now we have well, we have three tech- helicopters right now, technically, right? Right. Okay. So let's talk about
1: what we do and what we use our helicopters for. Well, right now, primarily, this day, we're using them for search and rescue. I'd say 95% of the missions are search and rescue. And that involves, that also ties in with the training that we do. It's all centered around search and rescue because that's our our big mission. That's the most demanding mission, the one that requires the highest skill level and proficiency. So have we, um, do we do police
0: operations still? Do we We have that ability?
1: Yes, we have the uh, law enforcement aircraft all equipped with FLIR and downlink and Uh, Searchlight. uh, We've got that capability. We get called out on occasion, but it's it's fairly rare that we get called out for that. Yeah,
0: definitely very rare these days. Um, Is that something that you want to see more of, as as the chief
1: pilot? I would like it. Uh, We started that law enforcement program back in two thousand four, when we acquired this equipment for the five hundred for the small aircraft and so we had to start from scratch with law enforcement operations i i don't have a law enforcement background uh, king county that's pretty much all they did back then was law enforcement so my first uh, chance back in 2003 and 4 was to go fly with king county and learn their techniques and one thing i found is they flew at night without night vision goggles which i found unusual but that's how they operated and they primarily operated over the cities and then i went down to california um, I think with San Bernardino, and I flew with their uh, tactical flight officers and I learned more about operating the FLIR. And so I, I then attended the Airborne Law Enforcement Association TFO training, tactical flight officer training course. So I learned all this you know, firsthand. So I was able to teach when I came back and then we recruited our TFOs. I asked for TFOs and we selected four. So we had four TFOs that I trained up starting in 2004 it took about four years to get them trained up in, because actually operating as a TFO is much more difficult than operating as a pilot. Okay. As a pilot, if you're experienced, you're basically flying orbits while the TFO is searching or you're flying a pattern TFO is searching. TFO operates camera, uh, not the color camera, the infrared camera, uh, the moving map, the radios, you're communicating with the ground teams. and. It's a lot of coordination, plus telling the pilot what to do. And so learning that is very difficult. So four years of training, and we get we just started getting proficient at it when the 2008 budget was cut and our patrol operations were cut. All went away. And matter of fact, back then, it was. that's when I was talking to you and the canine unit yeah. on the ground as we were doing containment ops and searching for bad guys. Uh, I don't think I I even met you in person because I was always talking to yep. you on the radio, right? Yeah, it is... Uh... It's a,
0: well, being in Canada is a unique feeling, but it's a you very unique set of circumstances to have a helicopter on your team above you while you're out looking for another human being. That, that was something else back in the day. And you're exactly right. I remember that, that we were just ramping up to where you guys were out there a lot, right. doing a lot of missions. Four, four nights a week. Yeah, absolutely. And then it just seemed like overnight, That went away, and I I get it. There's a lot of reasons behind that. Um, Is that now as the sheriff, um, I would like to see us get back into that, but it's kind of a touchy road because there's there's finances and things like that
1: involved. But do you think there's there's value in us going down that road in the near future? I do i you know we've got the drone program yeah. that's something that uh i initiated uh, quite a while ago i tried to get started it took a long time to get that started after i um also happened I, that's when i first worked with drones and i think drones are, are really the future for law enforcement operations but they have limited capacity right now they have a limited flight time limited range and so having a, a manned aircraft that can be in the air for two hours and 20 minutes uh, on station, and having a a live response and high altitude, long range, uh, that's a huge game changer. So um, I definitely see an avenue in the future if we can get funded to to, uh, ramp up patrol ops. Yeah, I agree with you. I would
0: like to go down that road Mm -hmm. if the opportunity uh, presents itself. But let's talk about the, as you mentioned, what, 95% of the work that you actually do is in a Huey, is that yes. right? Right. Huey, wh Twenty h yes. Okay, Snowhawk uh, 10? Snowhawk 10. Snowhawk, 10. Snowhawk 1 is our police helicopter. Right. And so Snowhawk 10, the Huey, people hear it, mm-hmm. it has an unmistakably sound sound to it. Right. Um, it's, yeah, it's once you hear it, it's it's one of those things. When I was at Naval Air Station, Woodby Island, they have that sign up front with the two A that says the sound of freedom. Oh, right. That's what I think <laughs> of when I hear that Huey, or I just, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. But anyway, I've learned a lot since coming into the office here about search and rescue and what you guys do. And like you already mentioned, that's the vast majority. But I have been amazed at the amount of missions that you guys do, uh, the bulk of which I would say it's safe to say are in Stahomish County, I think. but you're a regional asset too. We you guys are. are going everywhere. We
1: are, and we're funded regionally. Uh, a lot of the equipment we have both on Smog one and Smog 10 are funded by the UASI region, that Urban Area Security Initiative Homeland Security region. And so all the really expensive stuff like, the complete overhaul of Snow 10, which was 1.5 million back in 2011, that was all funded by UWC federal grant money. You know, it wasn't funded out of the county budget, but the county budget does support us uh, annually with maintenance and fuel, so that's that's critical too. And we do have a lot of support from county council and county execs
0: office. Yeah, they've been very supportive of this. Um, and so, as far as that, it's kind of a, a it's a good partnership, but it's unique because we don't have very many sheriff's office personnel out there. No. We, we have you and I think, is it two still in search and rescue? Right. Two full-time and then Greg and Marie. Two and a sergeant. Yeah. Okay. And that's year round right. search and rescue. Right, um, Probably could use more people like probably every department of the sheriff's sure. office is saying right now. Um, but you guys do a lot with uh, the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Talk about how that works with them. Cause I don't, I don't think people realize, um, they think they, they hear sheriff's office helicopter, right. but they think, well, we're staffing everybody in there. That's just not the case. No, no.
1: I am the only full-time pilot. We have one deputy pilot who's part-time. He's a provisional deputy, so he's paid when he flies. But uh, that's Steve Klett. And uh, the rest of our pilots uh, and crew are, are volunteers. We have some reserve deputies who aren't paid. And we have one of the SAR deputies is also uh, our TFO, uh, he acquired his pilot's license, so he's a junior pilot. Um, he, he's not flying very much, but his his primary duty is our deputy. So out of uh, 33 people on my team, you know, there's really only only two paid okay. positions and the rest are all volunteers. And uh, what we do is we select our rescue technicians, helicopter rescue technicians from Everett Mountain Rescue. So they have a high degree of mountain rescue operations and familiarity and skills so we bring that to the table they've already got that when they come to us so i'm not afraid of flying away and leaving them in the mountains sure because i know they can take care of themselves and then the the other uh team member in the back is our flight medic and so danny wickstrom and i started this flight medic program back in 2011 uh, and we uh, selected uh, a couple of medics. We have Dr. Brown, who is the county EMS director, supervised the program, and we have ALS advanced life-saving capability with those medics on board. So uh, all our rescue techs are EMTs, and our, our flight medics are paramedics, full-time paramedics within the county, but they volunteer with us when they fly with search and rescue. Okay. And then our crew chiefs are, are kind of a mix. We have some reserve deputies and some volunteers, and our pilots. Um, right now we have five pilots and two of them are volunteers and then the two paid positions and then ironers is our, our SAR deputy that's out there full-time so let's talk about some of the, the
0: mission the types of missions that you guys do in search and rescue and i'm going to also throw in that when covid hit every, everything shut down for mm-hmm. an extended period of time and uh, uh you would think when everything shut down that your business would go down but it didn't no your business went off the charts right which, which kind of i think surprised all of us. But um, tell us about that and and how you handled it and what types of increases you saw.
1: Right, pretty much a 30% increase across the board each year with all the increased missions. And because people couldn't congregate inside, they were advised to go outside and take a walk. Well, around here, that meant go take a hike. Sure. And so even to this day um one of the deputies told me he was out at the trailheads and driving by and he said there were hundreds of cars on the road because they couldn't park at the trailhead so that's still taking effect that effect today that a lot more people are out there on the trails that means a lot of people just by you know uh percentage they're going to be injured they don't intend to go out there and become injured but they twist their ankle they break their leg they fall they become ill heart issues, uh, you know, <clears throat> many other things can take place and, and that's when our response comes in. So what, what do you guys do? You guys get the call, you fire up the Huey, right? on right. 10. What's typical mission look like uh, once, one. once the crew is on board, um, we have the coordinates. And, and today, most people carry PLBs, personal location uh, beacons, okay. locating beacons. And those give us accurate coordinates. If they punch the button that says SOS, we get coordinates of where they're at exactly. And that's passed through us through the AFRCC, the Air Force Coordination Center. So if we get those coordinates, we may get an SOS. We don't know what's wrong. They could be sick, they could be stuck, we don't know. They could have found somebody else that's injured, but we respond to those coordinates. And then we've got the team and our Typical profile is uh, two pilots up front, a flight medic, rescue tech, and a crew chief. So we fly with a flight of five, crew of five. We get on station, we orbit, we see what, uh, what technique we need to get down there and get people to, to them. You know, the primary uh, goal is one, to be safe. So we land, that's the safest way we can get somebody is to land, but most of the time we can't yeah. land. Two, we can do a low hover. We come down a one-foot hover above a big rock or a stump. And then the crew in the back offloads onto that onto that rock or stump, get get the gear out, and then three, we'll be able to hoist down our rescuers and the gear, and then fly away and let them take care of the situation. So we've got three options there. Uh, usually, if somebody's severely injured, let's say they fall in and they hit their head and they have a concussion or broken, severe broken bones, we will set the team out. We'll go find a place to land like a riverbed. We'll shut down for 30 minutes, um, crank back up, because usually we lose comms with them uh, in the mountains. We don't have direct radio comms with them. So we'll shut down 30 minutes, start the clock, then crank back up, come up. And as soon as I get in here, I'll call them, are you ready for extraction? And they'll say yes or no. If they say no, we'll land and shut down again. How much time do you need? 10 more minutes. We're trying to save fuel is what we're doing, because we're back in the back country and fuel is critical. So, uh, they're ready for extraction, come in, pick up the flight medic, pick up the subject in the litter, if they're severely injured, and then pick up the rescue tech, and then we go usually to Providence, occasionally down to Harborview. Okay, what can, uh, so we talked, you mentioned all the cars parked outside the mm-hmm. hiking
0: trails and things like that. I think we've all we've all seen that, and we're getting ready, well, we're pretty much in that season right, right now in Stohomish County. Um, any advice for people on how not to get into that, not to meet you, right. <laughs> not to get airlifted out of the backwoods? What can people do? Well, the
1: first off, uh, because we're in this really hot uh, you know, period or we, we just got through it and it's gonna come again is when people rush out and they wanna cool off and they wanna jump in that cold water and cool off and that's the most dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. If you're not being safe, if you don't have a PFD on, if you're not close to shore and, and this, or if you're going tubing down the river, you know, there's still rapidly moving water out there and there are snags in the middle of the river that you may not see. Your inner tube gets trapped, you go underneath, you get caught in a snake, and you know we found many people uh, drowned because of that. So the big thing is water safety in the summer. Uh, watch your kids, you know, unfortunately, we've gone out already and looked for children that were missing near the water, and, uh, young people. So that happens every single year. You've got to be safe. Uh, if you're going in the back country, have a plan, tell somebody where you're going. Because if we get a call that you went hiking and we don't know which trail you're on, but well, now we have to look for your car. And that's, there's many trailheads. You may not even be on our county. So tell somebody where you're going, at least the trailhead you're going to, so we know where to start. And then if you're overdue, meaning you are gonna be back at six o'clock that night and you're not back, we know where to start. We'll find your car, we'll, we can start a search, uh, oftentimes it's somebody that just they're just late, you know, they didn't get back on time. That's often the case I'd rather get a be in the air looking for somebody to get a call. Oh, they're, they're okay. And then just return them back I'd rather get that call than wait till now. It's midnight. It's dark and we have to search for somebody. Yeah Well, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit here. When, when is the last time that kind County bought a helicopter? Well, it was probably in 1993 when we bought uh, one of the used uh, five, the Fuse 500, which was it's a 1968 uh, Army surplus helicopter, and that was purchased for $500. Okay. But that was a military used military helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't use it as is. There's certainly a lot of money that needs to go into it.
0: Absolutely. All right. So what is, what, I should say, what are the future plans for
1: helicopters for Snowman County. Well, that's really the good news here is it's already in place Mm -hmm. because County Council approved uh, federal grant money that came our way, the county's way, and they divvied that up and a portion of that, a large portion goes towards replacing that uh, Hughes 500, that 1968 helicopter. Uh, Although it's maintained properly, it flies fine. You know, it's a, 50-plus-year-old helicopter, and it it really needs uh, to be in a museum. It's got a lot of history behind it. Can can you talk to that at all? Sure. I would love I I think the community would like to hear it. Uh, So that one's going to be replaced with a used civilian 500E model, a modern version of the military 086A, which is what this one we have currently is. Uh, That's a or MD-500E. It's very low time. It's got like a little over 900 hours, which is extremely low for an yeah. older helicopter. It's in really fine shape. I can't wait to you know, get my hands on it. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some things done in the process. prior to it. Yeah. It has to be purchased and then modified somewhat. And we have to put the sheriff's logo on. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that helicopter that we have, that's 68, uh, we call it a 500P, it's a huge 500P on the civilian side and the military side, it started as a uh, Hughes 086A, just like all the loaches in Vietnam. It was in Vietnam. It was shot down in Vietnam, crashed twice in Vietnam. Wow. Uh, it's got a lot of history. It was in Air America, flew it uh, while they were over there. It was an aircraft air cav unit. Um, I know a pilot in, in Arlington who was a, a surgeon up in Arlington who flew it in Vietnam. Wow. And I got to meet him and show him the aircraft. Uh, Air America had a reunion and got to see it. <clears throat> so it's got a lot of history, and it was designed as a, kind of a stealth helicopter back in the 60s. They needed a specific helicopter to go in and do wiretapping mission in, in North Vietnam, a secret mission, and they modified this aircraft. They added an extra main rotor, rotor blade and two extra tail rotor blades, modified the exhaust, and so it was super quiet. You didn't You didn't hear it, it kind of whispered until it got overhead and then you could actually hear it. And so they had this mission mapped out and they inserted a team at night. And a matter of fact, this aircraft had one of the first FLIR cameras on it. Okay. And so they had no night vision goggles, uh, only flew unaided, used the FLIR, put this team in, and they wiretapped the North Vietnamese during their um, discussions. And that recording was used by Henry Kissinger at the Paris Peace Talks that helped end the Vietnam War. So, this aircraft has a huge history. Now, that aircraft that we have was not on that particular mission, but it was designed for that mission. Okay. And they modified four of those, so they had
0: backup aircraft for it. But you're telling me the actual aircraft we have used in Vietnam and shot it down twice? It shot, so down st- shot down once and crashed. Shot down once. And we're still using this thing today. We are using it. So <laughs> it's, is it's, so
1: a, <laughs> it's a tough aircraft. Oh, yeah. Um, I had an engine failure on it right after I got here, and it's still flying. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and what I've learned is helicopter, they run out of hours at a certain point where a lot of stuff needs to be done. That's right. kind of where we're at with this thing, right. which I think you mentioned. Yeah, probably time for this thing to be in a museum.
1: It does, it, because of the history, mainly. You know, I, I'd be, uh, I've already had museums interested in acquiring it, although because of the federal rules, we can't sell it. If anything, I have to give it back to the feds if, okay. we, if we do dispose of it. Uh, I can't just give it to a museum, so it has to go through a process. Okay so if we've talked about
0: kind of where we're going with helicopters and things like that let's talk about more a little bit more of a personal level i think people are really interested in this is you've been around 22 years right you are you're being incredibly humble today because in the huey world or helicopter world you are looked at as one of the foremost experts and we're very mm-hmm. fortunate to have you in snohomish oh, county thank you that comes to both the integrity of the aircraft mm-hmm. the mechanics and then the actual flying of it and mm-hmm. so Thank you for your service to Snohomish County. But what are your plans coming up?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, uh, in doing a handoff and a transition period between uh, positions. So uh, because I've been here so long, and you know, like I said, I wasn't involved in law enforcement. and I, I never wrote grants before. All of these things is uh, I, I helped start the Northwest Regional Aviation Group, which I'm co-chair of and all these connections we have in the region. I can't see that just kind of going away if I go away, so I've identified uh, w- with your help uh, a replacement and uh, Matt Loverink is the XO of the Navy base here in Everett. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's tagged to be it after me. He's on board already, flying as a volunteer pilot, so he's getting the Huey training, which he, you know, he doesn't have a background in, he flew H3s in the Navy. So he's getting that initial training and then uh as a matter of fact in july here middle of july he, he retires uh takes some time off comes back and then he'll work with me for a year and i'll teach him everything i know yes. uh he'll take over next october as a chief pilot and i'll step down and work part-time i'll basically concentrate on maintenance on the maintenance of the aircraft
0: well um, not everybody would do that. So that's mm-hmm. a long transition plan, but so needed in this, mm-hmm. this field. Like I said, it's such a unique and a specialized skill set that right. you guys are doing. Uh, we're lucky to find an XL to come and do that after he retires from the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great plan. I love it. Um, anything, I'm gonna wrap up a little bit here. Anything that you wanna end on, tell the community anything you wanna know about
1: helicopters or? Well, I'd, I'd just like for the community to know that we're very fortunate to have uh, a helicopter team, rescue team in the county. If you look across the state, uh, we're, we're rare. You know, King County does operate uh, hoist-equipped aircraft like we do. We partner up with them quite a bit. Uh, their entire crew is paid. Um, their you know budget is has to be much higher because the entire crew is paid. Um, they have multiple aircraft. They're out doing patrol just about every night. So you can imagine their their expenses are high, but. Uh, they need to be when you're doing that in a, your painful crew. So the county is very, very fortunate to have the expertise that we have, that level of expertise of volunteers with a minimum budget and being able to staff our aircraft 24-7, 365, around the clock, uh, we're, we're able to respond. And uh, when you look at some of the other counties who need us, you know, Skagit County, Chelan County that need our, our help, Whatcom. Uh, We're able to go there and help and with the regional assets and the funding that we get through equipment You know, we we really are responsible for responding within the region to not just Snohomish County But the county itself is very fortunate and we really appreciate uh, County Council and County exec support For the program. So I think I would kind of
0: Summarize what you just said is I think we have a first-rate helicopter program Mm -hmm. on a very fiscally responsible budget right. is that a good way to put it yes, very very much so. yeah it's not cheap by any means no. but with the type of uh, what's involved the helicopters mm-hmm. the, the servicing that needs to be done the mechanics um, I'm very proud of what you guys do mm-hmm. and you have been integral to all of that for the last 22 years there's others that came before you that got us down that path right. Right. but you've got us to where we are today I mean mm-hmm. I have I'm fully mm-hmm. confident in saying that so thank you mm-hmm. thank you for being here today thank you for the service to the county the country mm-hmm. and everything else you've done over your over your career. Um I know there's a transition in place it's gonna take a while, but I wish you nothing but the best in your future thank and you. thank you for
1: being here today. Well, thanks for having me. All right. I appreciate it. Thank thanks, you, sir. sir. All right.